Good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. Please cue my audio. I'm just going to start with a clip. We don't need to do anything else. I just want you to listen to this montage. Start this hour with a tale of international espionage. Serious questions tonight about whether the Russians are using Rudy Giuliani to interfere in the U.S. presidential election. This looks like your classic disinformation campaign. Giuliani has admitted before to working with a known Russian agent to dig up dirt on the Bidens. There are fears that what Giuliani is now pushing here in the United States could actually be part of Russia's latest and very massive disinformation campaign in the U.S. presidential election. It may very well be a Russian hack and dump operation. It is so obviously a Russian operation. That is Russian misinformation. This is a, quote, Russian disinformation operation. Appears to be and has all the hallmarks of a Russian disinformation campaign. Who do you think is behind this? Well, the Russians would be my number one guess. U.S. authorities are seeing if those emails we just talked about are connected to an ongoing Russian disinformation effort. Allegations of disinformation, dirty tricks, and a federal probe over Russian efforts to disparage Joe Biden. Experts say it has all the hallmarks of information laundering and all the headaches of 2016. If this is a Russian misinformation campaign, did Giuliani participate knowingly? Intelligence officials believe Giuliani may have been used as a tool to feed Russian misinformation to the president. The right wing is going crazy with uh, all sorts of allegations uh, about Biden and his family, too disgusting to even repeat here. I mean, for all we know, these emails are made up, or maybe some are real and others are fakes, we don't know. But we do know that this is a classic example of the right-wing media machine. There's overwhelming evidence that from the intelligence community that the Russians are engaged. Of course it can be verified. Excuse me, they found the laptop. Leslie, Leslie. What can't be verified? The laptop. Why do you say that? So that's just one of the montages that I have for you today. I'll play, I'll play the other one a little bit later. That's all about Hunter Biden's laptop. It's all about the New York Post story, which, of course, was authenticated like two years ago and was published, you know, before then. And just the fact that earlier this year, well, I guess technically last year, right? End of last year. Uh, the New York Times coming out and saying, oh, man, you know that thing that those crazy right-wing conspiracy theorists were talking about? Well, that's true. And the FBI had already authenticated it. We already knew all of this. This is I know that this is nothing new for any of you. It was a conspiracy theory. And I'm choosing my words very carefully here because of what I have to say next. It was a conspiracy theory that Hunter Biden's laptop belonged to Hunter Biden and the stuff on Hunter Biden's laptop belonged to Hunter Biden. That was a conspiracy theory. That was the line that you got every single day, day in, day out, seven days a week, 365 days a year. And if you were on social media and you talked about Hunter Biden's laptop, you were censored by social media. We've gone over all of this. I know that this is not new information, okay? So imagine, this is why I think this is so funny today, right? Because I, I, it was really weird because things tend to happen. And it's, I, I don't know why this is, but in my life, and maybe it's everybody else's life, maybe it's just, you know, I'm noticing things because it gets brought up in conversation. I don't know. It always seems like every time I'm having a personal conversation with somebody, 
something related to that personal conversation then happens within the next day or two. It's very strange. So I got asked yesterday about the types of hate mail and stuff that I get. A coworker was was asking me about it, and I've, I've told you some of it and, you know, things like that. It's died down over the past couple of years as people realize that, you know, I, I have bounty hunters in the family and I know how to find you. Um, and it's it's easy to... It's easy to dissuade somebody from threatening your children when you ask them how things are on their street. And they tend to leave you alone after that. Um, But it didn't always used to be that way. And I've told famously the story about the white powder that got sent to my my radio station in my name um, back in Las Vegas. And and I famously go around this building and ask other people to open up my physical mail as a bit of a joke. But, you know, they all laugh, ha, 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 and it's, you know. It's it's a funny thing. But if if I gotta get white powder, we all get white powder. That's my that's my philosophy, okay? So I get this comment on, on an old YouTube video that I posted. Ironically, this is a YouTube video that that I posted where I literally played audio clips of Democrats saying things that are ridiculous and stupid. And <laughs> And I know you're out there, Randall, because you listen every day. You seem to have the formatics of this showdown pretty darn good. So this is this is the hate comment that I got today. And this is why this is funny, because this is tied into the Hunter Biden breaking story today. This radio station, 95.3, is a joke around South Bend all day long. They have right wing talk radio talking about all their conspiracy theories. You know, those conspiracy theories, John, like the Hunter Biden laptop. That dang conspiracy theory. And calling people names like children. Why do you call people names like children on the morning show, John? What do you do that for? Why does Brian Kilmeade do that? I, I mean, there's there are two people who call people names on this radio station. That is Dan Bongino, who's new. And then there's me, and I only call people names who have called other people names. That's my policy. But, I mean, yeah, to be fair, there's two of us who do it, right? The callers into the show are the funniest. I agree. I like my callers. I got some some good callers. Ted was hysterical on Friday. Uh, the 3 p.m. host, Casey Hendrickson, is a Rush Limbaugh wannabe. I hate Apple products. Why Why would he? Randall's trying to cut deep here, John. Like, I, I despise Apple as a company. In a more serious note, I mean, literally everybody who does political commentary is trying to be Rush Limbaugh because he invented the genre. I mean, literally everybody, including the left-wing people. Um, (laughs) Casey does commercials for the station, and he yells throughout the commercial like a late-night infomercial selling cheap, overpriced goods. Their slogan for 95.3 should be 95.3 Talk Radio, where logic and reason come to die. You have no idea how much fun I had with this all day and the the amount of hilarity that people on Discord and social media have been having at poor Randall's expense all day long. Um, it's Thank you, Randall. I appreciate you being a fan and being out there and listening to the show every single day. Uh, <laughs> but I'm like, did you really choose... Did you really choose to post this comment today on a video that's a couple of years old? But did you really choose to post this comment today when the Hunter Biden information broke, where Hunter Biden admitted 
that that dang conspiracy theory about his laptop, that it was actually his laptop. (laughs) The timing of this, the timing is just hysterical. I mean, it's too, the audience is thanking him. That was great. I mean, it's very entertaining. This is one of the most, folks, this is one of the most bizarre legal strategies I think that I've ever seen. And I've seen a few doozies. I really have. (laughs) In a letter demanding probes of the dissemination of Hunter Biden's files, his lawyers appear to admit the underlying data is real. Um, And and the, the big thing that we kind of found out this week is that Hunter Biden you know, sexually abused a woman that worked for him. And Adam Kinzinger defended Hunter Biden yesterday. Like, what is going on? After years of disingenuous dissembling, Hunter Biden finally came clean and admitted ownership of the contents of the infamous laptop that he abandoned at a Delaware repair shop and has led to multiple investigations of his and the Biden clan's dubious personal connections and shady business dealings. Now, friendly reminder, this thing was authenticated by the FBI like two years ago. The admission came became public when Biden, who along with his presidential pops, is under a myriad of investigations stemming from the contents of the laptop, They tried to deflect attention from its alleged information, uh, which is very damning, by the way, with what the New York Post called a petulant letter from Hunter's lawyers seeking a criminal probe into what they called attempts to weaponize its contents. This is kind of like when the news media told you that Project Veritas having Ashley Biden's diary was fake news and a right-wing conspiracy until the FBI showed up at the Project Veritas homes of James O'Keefe and several other uh, people who worked there and then really accused them of stealing Ashley Biden's diary. So you're saying the stuff in the diary is true, and since you're admitting that the diary was stolen, you're admitting that the diary belonged to Ashley Biden. Thank you for corroborating everything that was in the diary, which included inappropriate showers between Ashley Biden and Joe Biden, the former vice president. Biden's lawyers uh, wrote uh, to the Justice Department and the Delaware Attorney General requesting investigations into people who the attorneys claimed illegally accessed or disseminated information from the laptop. Okay. Here's what the letter says. It claims that the offenders, quote, violated various statutes, including by making public restricted private information, accessing and disseminating stolen property, and making false statements to Congress. So, again, you got to go back to the Ashley Biden diary situation. While the Democrats and the news media were pretending that the diary didn't belong to Ashley Biden, if the diary didn't belong to Ashley Biden, there is no legal case against anybody, Project Veritas or the people that Project Veritas got the diary from. 
Because if the diary didn't belong to Ashley Biden, then nothing was stolen from Ashley Biden because it wasn't her diary. So therefore, no crime had been committed. The lawyers for Hunter Biden sent this letter to the Justice Department and again, the Attorney General of Delaware. They also sent it to the New York Post. The letter specifically states that the offenders, Rudy Giuliani and others, violated various statutes, including by making public restricted private information. How can you do that if the information isn't real? Right? The whole notion of the Hunter Biden laptop conspiracy theory that Randall is talking about is that the laptop information isn't real. It's all fake information. It's all fake stuff. It's not real. Therefore, there is no potential crime of making public any restricted private information. And if it's all manufactured and made up and it's not stolen property, then there is no crime of accessing and disseminating stolen property that can't exist in the legal system unless you admit that the contents of the laptop and the laptop itself did, in fact, belong to Hunter Biden. So the the letter goes out, and I don't know if you've heard the latest update about that this afternoon because the attorneys quickly realized they screwed up. We'll tell you about that coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. Casey Hendrickson. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. Uh, there's a good chance that I may die on the air today. If you were watching the live stream, you know why. If you weren't watching the live stream, I guess you just you have to hear my head hit the table. And Randall will be really happy, though, because he doesn't like me very much. Uh, so Hunter Biden's lawyers. Here's the thing. I don't know. This is weird. Like, Realize how many times we keep getting like uh, very prominent individuals in the United States, especially with the Biden family, and we keep having like lawyers screw up basic stuff. Didn't we have something earlier in the week about something legal involving the Biden family? It's like, they're the Biden family. Why is their lawyers so bad? So anyway, the lawyer sent this letter out to the Justice Department and Delaware Attorney General, as well as the New York Post, basically saying that they're threatening legal action because the people who claim to have the Hunter Biden laptop violated various statutes, including by making public restricted private information and accessing and disseminating stolen property. You can't steal something unless it belongs to somebody else, right? So if the Hunter Biden laptop story is a conspiracy, as we played with the montage earlier, then it can't possibly be a crime because it would have never belonged to Hunter Biden, just like Ashley Biden's diary would not have necessitated the FBI and Secret Service and what have you getting involved in an investigation with Project Veritas and others claiming that they stole her diary while simultaneously denying the authenticity of the diary. There's no crime if the diary didn't belong to her. So the lawyers realized pretty quick after the entire world said, wait a minute, um, You've just sent these letters to the Department of Justice and the Attorney General of Delaware demanding an investigation into who accessed this information 
who put the information out there in the public and how they got the information to begin with because you're claiming it's stolen property that belonged to Hunter Biden. Which means you're admitting that the laptop belongs to Hunter Biden. And if the laptop belongs to Hunter Biden, then everything that they found on the laptop belongs to Hunter Biden. And, of course, the fake story, which has been corroborated for over two years now, Hunter Biden's lawyers are admitting it's his. So the whole world has been pointing this out all day long. And then was it 2.30 this afternoon? Suddenly, Hunter Biden's lawyers issue a letter No, 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 no. We're not saying the laptop belongs to Hunter Biden. We're not saying the laptop is authentic. We're just saying that people are spreading rumors about Hunter Biden and they're using the laptop and any information on the laptop uh, to attack him. Well, that's a very different thing than what the letter said earlier today. And it would be an entirely different class of, of potentially criminal behavior. It would be more slander. But that's not what they alleged this morning. What they alleged this morning is that people stole Hunter Biden's laptop and that people made private information on that laptop public. And then they used it to attack Hunter Biden by illegally accessing Hunter Biden's personal files. And now they're desperately trying to put the genie back in the bottle and say, no, 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 that's not what we said. The thing we said earlier is, um, is not what we said. Uh, John on uh, on the live stream right now, he, he say, wait, isn't sextortion a crime? Hunter did that when he withheld the pay to that girl to work for him. Yeah, he sure did. And Adam Kinzinger, the former representative from Illinois, defended him yesterday. And as I said uh, yesterday, you know, in, in the post Me Too era, how is it that this isn't the biggest story? You've got a famous person who's tied to, right now, the person who's acting as the president of the United States, um, who withheld pay from somebody. So you got a kid from one of the most powerful political families in the country withholding money from one of his employees until she slept with him. Highly illegal. Sexual abuse. Sexual assault, even. But that's what happened. How do we know that? Well, we have the text messages. The text messages were backed up to the Hunter Biden laptop, which Hunter Biden's lawyers this morning claimed was illegally accessed and stolen from Hunter Biden. (laughs) This is one of the most bizarre things that I have ever seen. Could you imagine being the lawyer? Like I said, I mean, if you're the Biden family, I mean, I would assume that you would have a better handle on how to do law if you're going to be dealing le- dealing with legal issues. Isn't Hunter Biden himself a lawyer, too, in dealing with legal issues with the Biden family than to send out a letter admitting that the laptop belongs to your client while trying to distance your client from the very illegal activity that was uncovered on the laptop? It's just one of the weirdest things. So... This is where we're at, and it's it's not getting any better for the Bidens, not getting any better at all. By the way, um, you know, people are still asking a very, very good question. You know, hey, when is the media going to start getting comment from every one of those so-called ex-Intel officers, there's 51 of them, about the uh, the latest revelations from the laptop? There was one 
who went on the news and said, no, 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 we didn't say it was Russian disinformation. We just said it had all the hallmarks of being a Russian disinformation campaign. But, you know, we all know what they were actually doing, and we can go back and play everything that happened. But it's just, you talk about a massive mistake for your lawyers to go out the day after, you know, the whole world learns that you basically sexually assaulted a female employee of yourself, of yours, and withheld her pay. She couldn't pay her rent until she slept with you. And then all of a sudden there was a transfer of money to her bank account. Um, yeah. And then the next morning you go, oh, by the way, this is my client's uh, laptop and you stole it and you illegally accessed the information in it. That's just, oh, we didn't mean to say that. That's rough. That is rough. Uh, there's a lot of bad lawyers out there, but that's that's rough. And I would have expected the Biden family to have access to better lawyers. I really would, especially considering they're lawyers. But I digress. It's not everything that's happening in the Biden world either. Something interesting happened today, which is very similar to what's going on with Joe Biden right now. We'll talk about that coming up in just a couple of minutes. Uh, MNC News Time is 3.32. Time to check out Impress Jewelry Creations, creating meaningful jewelry for the moments that last a lifetime. This is Michiana's breaking news and weather station. Studios, from the first step to the final phase. Industrial and commercial electrical done right. Casey Hendrickson. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. Do you want to thank R&B Car Company, locations in South Bend, Warsaw, Columbia City. This is where we went to get our last vehicle. And I had already been to R&B Car Company once or twice before. Always had a great experience with them. Just never found the vehicle that I was specifically looking for. Went back because we were treated well the last time. And the wife found exactly what she was looking for there. And she she test drove several vehicles that were kind of what she was looking at. And she found the one that she wanted. We bought it from R&B Car Company. The whole thing was like maybe two hours. And like I said, she test drove like six cars. So it was super fast, super easy, low pressure, great um, interest rates. They didn't try to sell us on a bunch of stuff that we didn't need. There was no nickel and diming, no hidden costs or anything like that. It was just a, a very good experience designed to be low pressure. And friendly, non-adversarial, you might say. R&B Car Company are your used car experts. Go to rbcarcompany.com. When you go to their dealerships, please let them know that I sent you. So I want to talk about this real quick because this is, um, this is very interesting. More classified documents have been found. Once again, we found those classified documents where they should not have been. I don't know if uh, the news media has been telling you about this or not. Not really sure. But they did find more classified documents at the personal residence of a retired Air Force lieutenant colonel uh, who is now going to spend many years in prison. Oh, so a guy who used to have access to classified documents took the classified documents home, put them in his house, When they found them, they prosecuted him, and now he's going to spend several years behind bars. That sounds familiar to me. And I don't don't know where I've heard this before, but it it just, it sounds vaguely familiar. Lieutenant Colonel Robert Burcham retired from the United States Air Force back in 2018. He had spent most of his career working in the highest 
levels of U.S. intelligence. According to recently released court documents, Burcham served as the chief of combat intelligence for an unknown group in the Air Force. That's that's how secret and classified this guy's job was. Just so there's no mistaking that he had routine permitted access to classified information at the highest possible level. He later worked with classified intelligence information while at the Joint Special Operations Command, Special Operations Command, and the Office of the Director of National Intelligence. Guy's got a a pretty good uh, career of handling classified information. He knows the proper way to handle classified materials. In fact, just the fact that he was at JSOC and the fact that he was at the uh, the office of the director of national intelligence means that Lieutenant Colonel Robert Burcham throughout his career may very well have been in the room briefing people like Joe Biden and handing Joe Biden the classified documents that Joe Biden took to his house because that was his job. Just throwing it out there. He knows the proper way to handle classified materials, but that did not stop the retired lieutenant colonel from illegally taking hundreds of classified documents and then storing them at his house in Florida. Just so we're crystal clear, somebody whose career allowed for him to have access to the highest levels of classified information, their career came to an end. And when their career came to an end, so did their access to said classified material. But instead of leaving said classified material in the appropriate place at the headquarters of the last place of his employment, he decided to box it up and take it home and put it in his house. Sound familiar? Problem is that he no longer has any legal access or rights to view said classified material. He had no business taking classified material to his home and storing it in his house. But he did. And when the United States government found out about it, they prosecuted him. He pled guilty to one count of willful retention of national defense information. And it is a felony. It carries a sentence of up to 10 years in federal prison. His plea agreement was signed in August of 2022, but was not revealed until this week. Authorities were tipped off about Burcham back in January of 2017. He is scheduled to make his initial court appearance on February 21st. So he's pled guilty. He faces up to 10 years in federal prison. He's being charged with a felony. He can go away for a long time for doing literally the exact same thing as Joe Biden. Have you heard about this story? Why is the news media not running stories about Lieutenant Colonel Robert Burcham right now? Hmm? I wonder why. Why do you think they might be doing it? It's kind of like the... uh, Kind of like the American sailor who uh, took a a couple of pictures of a submarine that he was on for his own personal effects. He wasn't selling them to anybody, but um, they caught him. And because they caught him having pictures of a submarine, 
It's a crime. It's classified information. You're not allowed to know what the inside of a U.S. submarine actually looks like. You can't, you can't do that stuff. So they prosecuted the guy. And do you remember his defense? John, you remember his defense? His defense was the Hillary Clinton defense. <laughs> Hillary Clinton can do it. I can do it. <laughs> that was his defense. And guess what? The government said that was bullcrap. Only Hillary can use the Hillary defense. It is exclusive to her. <laughs> and he was convicted. So you got a Lieutenant Colonel Robert Burcham, who likely was one of the individuals putting together classified packages for Joe Biden, for Obama, for other presidents. And this guy is facing 10 years in prison, felony charge. He's had to plead guilty. And he did the exact same thing as Joe Biden. And nobody's telling you about it. wonder why that is. Among the documents that Burcham had were two presentations from the National Security Agency detailing the agency's capabilities and identifying vulnerabilities of potential targets. Uh, Prosecutors said if those documents were released, it would have caused uh, exponentially massive damage, which is no doubt. It certainly would. I mean, those are documents that you should not, uh, shouldn't have. The article does not go into his reasoning for having them. Or anything like that. Okay, All it says is that he, it was discovered that he had them. He's not being accused of spying. He's not being accused of selling it to a foreign, foreign power or anything of that nature. The point is, um, just I'll kind of address Geraldo here, since Geraldo's like, well, there's no proof the national security was jeopardized, so it's a nothing burger story about Joe Biden. No, it isn't. The point isn't the type of documents that were there. The point is that you weren't allowed to have the documents. So there's that. But this guy did exactly what Joe Biden did. This guy lost his access to classified documents, just like Joe Biden did. This guy took those documents anyway, just like Joe Biden did. And he put them in his house, just like Joe Biden did. Joe Biden gets defended by the media, does not get raided by the FBI. This guy gets arrested and charged with a felony and faces 10 years in prison. Big difference, don't you think? Got more coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. Casey Hendrickson. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. I've been going to Warren Chiropractic for a, well, long time now, I guess, a couple of years. I uh, started going because I had an old neck injury, and periodically it kind of comes back and dealing with some neck issues right now, which I think are just kind of tied to the way that I sleep. But I used to have to get injections in my neck, and I don't know how many of you have ever had steroid injections in uh, a place like your neck. It isn't fun. I mean, it's not fun to really get them in in anything, but it's particularly, you know, neck's just a a weird spot to get a shot, and they weren't fun. Um, The steroid injections worked, but ultimately I wanted to get to a point where I didn't have to rely on them, and I wanted to, to hopefully get away from having to need surgery if that was possible. And a lot of you reached out to me and said, you know, I go to Warren Chiropractic. You got a ton of people at, at FedMed who go to Warren Chiropractic. Why don't you just go do it? And finally, uh, the pain got so bad, I, I decided to go ahead and go. And I already I knew Dr. Warren. I just wasn't a patient. So I went in, got my evaluation. They, they did the x-rays. He showed me kind of what was going on. He walked me through what their treatment process would look like. And I started going to Warren Chiropractic. Um, had to start a couple of times a week initially just to get uh, everything under control. And and sure enough, you know, a couple months later, 92% uh, improvement in the curvature of my spine. I have not had a neck injection since then. I hope that that continues. I feel way better. 
And Warren Chiropractic just continues to add new services. They just got their hyperbaric therapy chamber in there, which is something that I've always been very interested in. Uh, they now do orthotics for your feet. So they, they keep adding services. New doctors just come on over at Warren Chiropractic as well. It says they keep expanding. So now you got three doctors over there that are, are working on you, plus the you know, massage and everything else that is involved. If you're looking for a chiropractic center that's going to you know, take care of the entire body, Warren Chiropractic is the place to go. Make sure you go to their website, warrenchiro.com. Click on the new patient tab. Read the patient testimonials and stuff at the bottom of the page as well. And when you go, let sure, make sure you let them know that I sent you because I would really appreciate uh, you letting them know that their advertising dollars do work on this show. I'm trying to decide if I, if I dare play the crazy audio that we had from Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. I don't know. Maybe later, like maybe in the 5 o'clock hour. I'm not real sure. Ilhan Omar got kicked off of her committee. And everybody is, it, well, I should say the Democrats are super butthurt about this. And I just want to, I want to go back in time. You know, this is something that we talk about frequently and we have for years on the show. The Democrats have a pattern. The Republicans are not innocent of this, but the Democrats are the ones that typically do it, you know, with a very few exceptions. When Democrats take over one of the houses of Congress, Democrats change the rules in order to get things passed that would never pass under the traditional rule set of that House. So on the Senate side, when when Harry Reid was in control of the Senate, he changed a bunch of the rules so that Senate Democrats could ram things through without the Republicans being able to exercise the traditional powers of the minority. In the House of Representatives, Nancy Pelosi did the same thing. And I'm, I've spent years, I know that I'm not alone, but... I, I've spent years telling the Democrats, like, at some point, I want you to remember this because you're not going to be in power and the Republicans are going to come in and they're going to use your rule changes against you and you're going to be very upset about it. And nobody is going to have anything but the smallest fiddle to care about what you have to say. This is exactly what we're dealing with right now. The Democrats decided that they were going to change the rules and that Nancy Pelosi was going to kick Republicans off of committees. This is something that had never been done before. Those rules never existed in the history of the House, and Nancy Pelosi changed those rules. And the reason she changed those rules is because she didn't want adversarial Republicans and conservatives from the Liberty, uh, the uh, Freedom Caucus, excuse me, to be on these committees and be able to fight against her appointed Democrats. So what she did, like what she did with the January 6th committee, is she put friendly Republicans or at least softer Republicans on those committees and rejected other ones. This is some unprecedented. never happened. And she was warned, and the Democrats were warned, and all of the, you know, you Democrat voters out there, you Randalls, if you will, you were out there celebrating this stuff, and we told you the day would come when Republicans took over and they were going to use the rules that Nancy Pelosi put in place against the Democrats. And lo and behold, that's exactly what has happened. So Adam Schiff got removed from the Intel committee. Swalwell got removed from his committee. 
Ilhan Omar just got removed from her committee. But, but Ilhan Omar, she actually had the ability to challenge her removal. Do you know why? Because of Matt Gates and Republicans and what they were able, I should say conservative Republicans and what they were able to secure when the speaker vote was happening. And so she challenged it. And then we had the House of Representatives vote on it today. And the House of Representatives voted to remove her from her committee. So she's lost her mind. She's angry about it. AOC's claiming racism and she's angry about it. Everybody's, I think Rashida Tlaib actually uh, cried on the floor of the, the House today. And they're all really upset that the majority exercised power to remove somebody who's in the minority party from a committee assignment, which is something that they would have never been allowed to to do unless Nancy Pelosi and Democrats changed the rules. But Democrats supported that rule change, and now they're upset that those rules are being used against them. You know, we we see the same thing in the Senate side and everything else. It's it's um, this is actually why I was engaging with Democrats so much on social media about Kristen Cinema and Joe Manchin, because Cinema's main battle was not getting rid of the filibuster. She didn't want to get rid of the filibuster because she knew that Republicans would be in power one day, and Republicans would use the removal of the filibuster which is a power of the minority to slow down and stop legislation. She knew that Republicans were going to be able to ram through legislation without Democrats being able to stop it. And historically you have that power as the minority. So that way you can force debate, you can force concessions, you can force amendments. That's the whole point. But the Democrats, one of their big selling points to all of you out there is We don't need to debate anything. We don't need to read anything. We just need to ram things through because it has to be done right now. Otherwise, the world will end, the world will die, and it's always a lie. Well, Kristen Sinema was right. And we tried warning you what was going to happen if you kept the rules that Nancy Pelosi kept. we got more coming up, 95.3 MNC. WTRC FM and HD1. Nice. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I'm your host, Casey Hendrickson. Do you want to thank R&B Car Company locations in South Bend and Warsaw, Columbia City as well? Go to rbcarcompany.com. Do you remember, it feels like it's been a couple of months. Do you remember me asking why it was that ABC didn't seem to be addressing the fact that one of their producers had gone missing. You remember this story, John? It was the weirdest thing because it was well known to everybody that like, because I mean, he's not just a producer, like he's like a big wig producer over at ABC News. And he does a bunch of extra content, like digital content for them. And everybody kind of picked up on the fact that he was gone. And he hadn't posted on his social media in quite some time. And so people who followed him started to notice that, hey, this this very active guy is fairly big over at ABC News. He's not doing anything. And every inquiry to ABC News about where he was went unanswered. And so everybody kind of started to speculate, like, what's the deal here? Why is ABC News not really talking about this guy 
and and his name is James Gordon Meek. But wh- why aren't they talking about this guy and and how he's vanished? Like, what's going on at ABC News? And so we did a we did a topic or two about it, and I posted about it on social media along with a lot of, a lot of other people in my industry because at this point, you know, there's a lot of things that were concerning. Um, there was a concern that he was in danger. There was concern that he he might be dead. And, you know, when somebody in the news media vanishes without a trace, you generally, from the outlet at the very least, the outlet that they work at, you generally get some kind of a some kind of a story going like we desperately need your help to find him. We can't find him. We've been to his house. He's not shown up for work. We don't know what's going on. You know, that sort of thing. And so it, it's been a bit of a mystery now for a couple of months. We have our answer. And I'll be honest with you, it it was a surprise. James Gordon Meek, who is the ABC News producer who has been gone and vanished and nobody knew where, where he was, has now been hit with child pornography charges. Federal prosecutors are accusing James Gordon Meek of engaging in sexually graphic conversations about R-wording toddlers sharing sexual videos and images of children as young as babies and attempting to pressure minors into sending him explicit photos. So this went from a genuine concern in the industry that, hey, you know, somebody in in the the business is gone and nobody knows what's happened to him because he just posted and then he was, that's it, he, he vanished. And nobody heard from the guy. And there wasn't anything coming out of ABC News about what may potentially have happened to him. And any inquiry into ABC News is like, like what's going on? And, and just nothing. You didn't even get a, we don't know where he is. We hope he's okay. We didn't get any of that. Well, now we know why. This is weird, though, because generally speaking, if one of your people gets hit with a serious allegation like this, you want to be the outlet that breaks that news. You don't want a competitor to break it. So it's a little strange that ABC kind of kept this one so quiet. You know, it's it's one thing if it's a minor thing and you kind of want to sweep it under the rug or what have you, you know, just to because it isn't a big deal. This is obviously a very big deal. And so for ABC to not just really get out in front of it was very strange. So he was arrested on Tuesday. He was charged with transportation of child pornography. He received and shared images of child sexual abuse dating back to 2014, according to prosecutors. A tip was sent into the FBI Washington Field Office's Child Exploitation and Human Trafficking Task Force. It was sent there via the Dropbox website. The cloud storage company, Dropbox, again, uh, reportedly informed authorities about five videos of child sexual exploitation on a Dropbox account. On April 27th of 2022, federal agents raided Meeks' home in Arlington. Now keep in mind, he's been gone for months. So in April, the feds raided his home. He then abruptly resigned from ABC News on the exact same day as the raid. So ABC has known since April that he doesn't work there 
and that something was going on, and ABC News chose not to tell anybody? This is very strange. So anyway, a trove of child pornography videos and images were discovered on his iPhone, an external hard drive, and a laptop. According to court documents, several of Meeks' devices allegedly contain images depicting children engaged in explicit conduct and multiple chat conversations with users engaged in explicit conversations where the participants expressed enthusiasm for the abuse of children, according to the Department of Defense. Wow. Now, keep in mind, the Department of Defense is involved in all of this, too, which means there's probably an international component. The affidavit reads, the iPhone 8 contained three chat conversations in which the username Pawnee 4 was engaging in explicit conversations, and I'm keeping some of the language out, was engaging in explicit conversations where the participants expressed enthusiasm for the abuse of children. In two of those conversations, Pawnee 4 received and distributed child pornography images and video files uh, through the Kick app, which is a, it's like an internet-based messaging platform type thing. It's like the old instant messenger. The account asked a 25-year-old male, have you ever R-worded a toddler girl? Quote, it's amazing. Now, it's, again, this is the fact that ABC has kind of known about this since April while the mystery of this guy vanishing has been kind of consuming those of us in the industry on social media for quite some time. And the fact that they didn't address this is, frankly, it was the wrong move, if you ask me. Prosecutors claim Meek had a Snapchat account that was used to communicate with underage girls. Meek attempted to pressure young girls into sending him explicit photos. Federal agents interviewed a minor who was approached by Meek on Snapchat. The girl confirmed that Meek and other men had approached her through Snapchat and had pressured her to provide pictures of a uh, a sexually explicit kind, put it that way. Meek then sent photos of himself, read between the lines, to kids on Snapchat. In other news, ladies and gentlemen, Stop letting your underage kids have smartphones. Meek had worked for ABC News since 2013. He won an Emmy Award, was nominated for three other uh, three other times. He was a senior counterterrorism advisor and investigator for the House Committee on Homeland Security. A spokesperson for ABC News declined to comment on the accusations. And he faces a mandatory of five years in prison and a maximum of 20 years in prison for what they found. And once again, he's been gone for months. And and one of the things is just like, you know, he's posting every single day. He was in the middle of a big project, a big journalism project that he was doing on the side for, a, I believe, ABC News. I have to go back and look at my notes. And all of a sudden, he posted, I think, on Twitter the last thing he did. And then there was nothing. And people started to notice that he wasn't giving updates on this project. And then they started to notice that he just wasn't active on any of his social accounts, particularly Twitter, which he was very active on. And people started reaching out to ABC News, and ABC News like never responded to anybody, and they're still not talking about it. And I don't, I don't understand the logic behind this, because again, generally speaking, in this business, if one of your people does something, you're the one that wants to report on it. 
you want to do the first first thing. You don't even you don't ever want to be in a position to be accused of hiding something that your employees did. And so it's strange that ABC News has been hiding this from everybody since April. And in spite of all of the inquiries on social media from again, members of the press as well as the general public asking about this since April and ABC didn't even issue a statement going, he no longer works at ABC. He resigned on the 27th of April. They didn't even do that. It was just not answering. Now you know why. We got more coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. Casey Hendrickson. News, weather, and traffic during Michiana's Morning News on 95.3 MNC. Your breaking news and weather station. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. That song is called Counterfeit. And when you order supplements from an unknown source, they might be counterfeit. They might not have the real ingredients. That's why you need to go to a reputable place like Nutrition HQ, located at 5804 Grape Road in Mishawaka. If you're looking for a place where you can avoid seed oils or you can avoid soy, or maybe you're looking to even add soy. It depends on what you're your goals and your diet and everything are, although generally speaking, soy is just bad and you should avoid it. But nonetheless, if you're looking for a good protein that's going to taste great, it's going to mix up well, and you're actually going to want to drink it every single day, Nutrition HQ has got the best selection of proteins. Uh, took uh, my pistachio ice cream, and I realize that pistachio is kind of like an acquired taste, but I love it. So I took my pistachio ice cream protein home because my mom was nagging me about it for an extended period of time, I made one uh, with uh, with my new Blendjet. By the way, those things are flipping awesome, dude. Have you seen those? I've seen the commercials for them forever, and I thought they were too expensive. And then after the holiday was over, they came down like 40%, so I bought one. That thing is amazing. So anyway, I made uh, made one. All I did was put whole milk in there, put the protein with a few ice cubes to thicken it up so it's like a milkshake, and it tasted exactly like pistachio ice cream. It was amazing so it's fantastic stuff but if you don't like pistachio no problem uh protein that i have in the studio right now is the the reese's peanut butter puff cereal flavor also tastes exactly like the cereal so when you have a protein that tastes good and you actually want to consume then you're going to be able to get your protein intake and those nutrients that you wouldn't get otherwise through your diet and you're actually going to want to do it so it incentivizes you to actually be healthier so make sure you go to Nutrition HQ 5804 Grape Road in Mishawaka. You get a discount because you listen to the show. If you want to order online, you can. There's less products online, but you can do that. Go to nhqsb.com and use promo code Casey20 at checkout. So the last time I talked about uh, James Gordon Meeks, who is the ABC producer, was in October. And I had forgotten that the storyline was that he had vanished after the FBI raid. So... The reason it was weird at the time, I went back and looked at my notes. He was working on a a, ter- a terrorism project, and then he gets raided by the feds, and then he vanished, and nobody knew where he was. And ABC wasn't saying anything. The feds weren't saying anything. Well, now we know he he's accused of having a ton of child pornography on his personal effects, and he is now facing uh, up to 10 years in prison. I don't expect him to get that, but that's what he's facing. 
Uh, speaking of pedophiles, we got to talk about the attorney general in Missouri doubling down on firing school officials who took students to a drag show without telling parents. Tell me you're a pedophile without telling me you're a pedophile. Missouri Attorney General Andrew Bailey has doubled down in his office's plans to explore all legal options against middle school officials who have the green light, who gave the green light for their students to attend a drag queen breakfast. Yeah. It's a huge problem, he said. State statute of Missouri governs how human sexuality is to be taught by educators, and it does not authorize drag shows, nor should it. There's also a parental notification requirement. So the school district undermined the statutes by taking the kids to the drag show without notifying the parents. Last week, around 30 Columbia middle schoolers attended drag performances hosted by the Inclusion Plus Performance Group at the annual Columbia Values Diversity Breakfast. Uh Uh-huh. The city's website said the event, quote, typically features a breakfast, award presentation, artistic celebrations, and keynote addresses. The celebration is coordinated by the city's Office of Cultural Affairs, which, again, probably run by pedos if you let kids enjoy something like this. Um, So, There's tons of community volunteers and sponsors associated with this, according to the government's website. So a parent posted a school permission slip for the event on Facebook, which noted that there would be songs and performances. However, it didn't say anything about a drag show. So the permission slip that was sent home was basically, we're going to go to the Columbia Values Diversity Breakfast, and we're going to sing songs. There's going to be performances, but they did not mention that they were going to have a drag show. So naturally, uh, parents were a little miffed when they found out that their kids were sent to a drag show. In response, the school district stated that attendees are not provided details of the performances in advance of the event. That isn't a defense. So, I mean, the school is basically like, oh, yeah, the city didn't tell us what kind of entertainment there was going to be. I'm sorry, isn't that kind of like your job to find out? Why is a school sending students to go to a performance when they don't know what the performance is? And you imagine the defense. Let's just take take drag out of it for just a second, okay? Let's say there's a permission slip that's sent home and the school is like, hey, we're going to do a fun I don't know, a D.A.R.E. program thing. And D.A.R.E. programs, they used to. I don't know if they still do. But they used to have at D.A.R.E. graduation at the end of the year, you'd have a big event at a big stadium. You have a concert, right? You had that too, John, right? Big concert. So my concert was Lee Greenwood. He performed at the D.A.R.E. graduation event in the inaugural year of D.A.R.E. I don't know, um, you know it, what the rotation is of artists. But let's just say for a second, you as a parent get a permission slip hey, your kid is going to, you know, be graduating drug abuse, resistance, education, and we're going to go and we're going to have this thing. We'll have pizza, and it's going to be at a baseball field like mine was, and we're going to have a concert. And you'll be like, wow, that sounds amazing. And then you find out when the kid gets home that R. Kelly was urinating on students from the stage at the concert. I think you'd be a little ticked off, right? Okay, so you went a little too far. No, I think that R. Kelly is a perfect comparison here 
You would be upset. You would be angry. By the way, a lot of charges were dropped against R. Kelly this week. (laughs) (laughs) R. Kelly concert is coming to a town near you. Uh, I think he's still got some time behind bars. I think these are additional charges. But still, it's like you would be angry. And for the school to go, well, we didn't know that R. Kelly was going to urinate on anybody. Like, you didn't ask who the performer was going to be? <laughs> you just said it was a performance. The school's response is really telling because the superintendent says, look, the school officials didn't know that the drag show was a part of the event and also that the drag show is not harmful to kids. So here's the thing. Number one defense. We didn't know what we were sending your kids to go see. Not a defense. Number two, an adult burlesque show is not harmful to kids. Guess who doesn't get to make that choice? The school. That's not your place to make that decision. That's mom and dad or the guardian's choice. It's not yours. And as I've said before, adult burlesque, which is what drag is, adult burlesque is not appropriate for kids. If you're an adult, you're 18 or over, or if you're going to a club, you might have to be 21 or over, depending on on where you're at. Um, You can have a good time at a drag show. Like I said, I come from Las Vegas. Got news for you. A lot of the shows on the Strip were drag shows when I grew up. It was very common. I used to have the most famous at the time, the most famous drag queen in the entire world on my show, like once a quarter. And he was always fun. He was he was enjoyable. He was also straight, by the way. He wasn't gay. And it was very interesting to kind of watch how he he would, you know, talk about his life and he would talk about his show and he was always promoting, you know, any new changes that were coming up. And nobody cared. You know why? Because he didn't have a show that catered to kids. Everything he did was adult-oriented. And he always made sure to let everybody know that. This is not an all-ages show. This is an adult-only show. The early show, I think it was 18 or over, and then the late show is 21 and over. That's that's how it was. I grew up around drag, drag queens. I grew up around drag shows. They were never considered appropriate for kids, ever, until the last 18 months. It's like the first time it's ever been considered this way. And the fact that these are middle school students, not even high school students, but middle school students who are going to this thing. And the school's defense is, we didn't know they are going to drag show. Like, suddenly they don't care. I guess we had a commercial pop-up. Sorry about that. So, it's just a, a bizarre defense. We didn't know there was going to be a drag show. Well, shame on you for not figuring out what you were sending your kids to go witness. And then your additional defense is, well, drag shows aren't harmful anyway. So, what's the big deal? Right. Uh-huh. So it's a, it is a defense that is disjointed on its face. Uh, Let's see. Bailey's office is reportedly taking all hands on deck approach. Bailey's the attorney general uh, calling for the resignation or termination of any school official who knew about the behavior Uh, that needs to happen now to restore the district's trust with parents. He said he was on Stuart Varney's show. But we're also going to partner with everyone that we can, school officials, law enforcement, prosecutors, juvenile officers, anyone that we can make sure that we're adhering to the school law on this issue. You know, we are 
increasingly doing stories where we're telling you about how the schools are just hiding the stuff from you. They're playing by the it's better to ask for forgiveness than to ask for permission mantra. That's what they're doing right now. They don't have a problem with a drag queen named. Well, it starts with a J and it ends with a Z and it refers to anatomical fluid, which is the actual name of a drag queen who performed at a middle school. I did a whole show on it. Go to my Rumble channel. You can see it. That's not okay. But the whole thing is, no, we're just going to do it. We're not going to tell parents about it. And then if the kids tell on us, we're going to be like, we did not know. We didn't know that R. Kelly was here peeing on your kid's head. It was totally a surprise. But it's just urine. It's sterile. It's not a big deal, right? It's not like we let R. Kelly do anything else to your kid. That's kind of the defense that you're getting right now. They're secretly doing this stuff, and then they're they're just playing dumb when they get exposed. You got more coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. This is Michiana's Breaking News and Weather Station. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. I'm your host, Casey Hendrickson. I think you can hear me. I hope you can hear me. John Zimby is gone. He's abandoned me. It's entirely possible that the fumes from the chemical cloud we talked about earlier that are in this building got to him. He's not dead, ladies and gentlemen. John has survived the chemical fume cloud out in the room. I thought that that the cloud got you, man. I did. I'll be honest with you. He came running back. He's alive. He's well. You don't need to send help. (laughs) if you had any idea how bad that chemical cloud is out there that smell oh it's brutal all right ladies and gentlemen thank you for tuning in news talk 95.3 michiana's news channel john can you cue my audio for me please a little bit earlier today i had a complaint Randall says that I I yell when I do my commercials. He doesn't like that. So in honor of Randall, who took precious, precious real estate out of his day to go to my YouTube channel, which I don't even really post to anymore, and post a comment on a video that's like three years old to let me know that he doesn't like me to yell during my commercials. And that MNC is... (laughs) The motto is like where, where common sense goes, comes to die or <laughs> In honor of that, <clears throat> I would like to tell you about the all-new MyPillow 2.0 in a soft, non-aggressive tone. That's what I would like to do. So right now, you can go to MyPillow.com. Go to Radio Listener Specials. Click on that. And then get the MyPillow 2.0. This is brand new. It just came out. It's only been out for a week. And you can use promo code Casey. And you get yourself a nice little discount. In fact, you'll get one free when you buy one. So buy one, get one free with promo code Casey. Right now, MyPillow.com. The all-new MyPillow 2.0 has all-new temperature-regulating technology. So it is as calm 
and soothing for you to slip off into dreamland as, as my voice is right now, Randall. So, Randall, because I care about you, and I know that you listen every single day, because you are very adamant in your visceral hatred of me about my commercials, <laughs> make sure you go to MyPillow.com, because I think you need better sleep. And I think this could really help you. MyPillow 2.0's cooling technology is way better than polyester or cotton. It's machine washable and dryable. 10-year warranty, 60-day money-back guarantee. There's no risk here. It's made in the USA, too. Randall, even you and I can agree that products made in the United States are better than products not made in the United States. MyPillow.com, radio listener specials, promo code Casey. See? I can be accommodating, right? Just doing my best. Doing my best to help people. I'm going to yell at every other commercial, but... You know, for that one, I wanted to make sure that I had the, the appropriate tone for poor Randall out there to get a good night's sleep. All right. Uh, let's see. Yes. Um, this is actually this is actually a cup. Yeah, this is from last week. I didn't get a chance to get to it, but more white power graffiti in Idaho ended up being a hoax. I know. You're all shocked. I know. It's just happened again. It's like fake hate. It's just still tends to be the norm. So the Caldwell Police Department have updated everybody um, on the story here. So there was a, there's a like big giant like letters like right by the entrance to the school. It says white power on it. And I'll be honest, it looks like it was sprayed by a white person because there's no artistic value there whatsoever. Um, and while there are really good white graffiti artists, generally speaking, it's not a white art form, okay? There are good ones, though, mostly in Eastern Europe, but they do exist. So it looks like a white person scrawled it because it was just somebody just spray painted. They didn't actually put any, you know, effort into it. So what ended up happening is... Um, this happened like uh, two days after the Brown Pride protests that happened at Caldwell High School. So they did Brown Pride protests. And after that, somebody scrawled white power and some other stuff right around the entrance of the school. Well, naturally, this led to everybody getting bent out of shape because, you know, Nazis. And they, they went ahead and they went with it, went viral, turned into a whole thing. Uh, there was some national coverage of this, but uh, for the most part, it was a it was an online social media thing, which is actually surprising because usually any time you have some kind of a white power or anything, uh, it turns into a national story. But this one, it was more regional, much more online than it was like in your traditional uh, news circles. Well, the Caldwell police did did investigate and they did find the culprit. And the culprit ended up not being white people uh, again. Uh, in fact, it, they ended up being a Hispanic gang. Yeah. Apparently, this was like two Hispanic gangs who were feuding, I guess, at the school. And somehow white power was a part of that. I don't know. Very strange. So anyway, the Caldwell Police Department posted on their Facebook page. Caldwell police detectives have been working diligently on the recent vandalism case involving graffiti at Caldwell High School. At this time, detectives no longer believe the incident to be motivated by hate, 
but rather an act of intimidation between two rival Hispanic criminal street gangs from Caldwell. Okay. Interesting strategy, but all right, that's where they're going with this. Detectives are basing this off of evidence, video, and other factors discovered in the course of the investigation. Okay. Uh, detectives believe that the white power tagging was a diversion tactic used by the gang to avoid law enforcement detection and was possibly done to exploit the recent protest at Caldwell High School. It is common for gang members to vandalize property in their attempt to create fear and intimidation within the community. We now believe eight people participated in the vandalism. You got eight people to do that, and you still weren't able to produce a real form of street art? I mean, that's sad. Uh, I would like to throw out that the Hispanic community is um, usually generally pretty good at tagging, too. And it's they didn't have one person capable of putting up some decent letters uh, out of eight in a street game. Very disappointing. Uh, Caldwell, not not very good in the whole street gang department, apparently. So they arrived in two separate vehicles. The first four people arrived in a white four-door passenger car. The second group of four arrived shortly after in a dark-colored truck or SUV. So there you go. There's the update. They, uh, they got it all on camera and everything else. They were not white people. They were Hispanic people. It was some more fake just like everything else that we seem to get with these stories. Well, not everything, but like 99.5 at least, 99.5% of them. We got more coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. Casey Hendrickson, 3 on News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel, your breaking news and weather station. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. Do want to thank R&B Car Company. Locations in South Bend and Warsaw, R&B Car Company are your used car experts. Broadcasting live on Rumble and Odyssey and BT Media. Go to rumble.com slash Casey the host, odyssey.com at Casey the host. By the way, if you search, because a couple of people were uh, telling me that they search Casey the host, they can't find it. You can use my name in the search, but if you use Casey the host, make sure it's one word. Casey the host. And then you should find the the channels and everything else. Hit that subscribe button while you're there. A group of four House Republicans, led by Don Bacon, Republican of Nebraska, introduced a bill that hopes to establish a commission that will investigate the involvement of Antifa in domestic riots. H.R. 649 would establish the National Commission on Domestic Terrorist Attacks on the United States by Antifa, with House members saying that it will be structured like a 9-11 commission and mirrors the January 6th commission. Yes, this is exactly what we need. You know, they're, they're still running around and arresting people uh, for January 6th, and they're doing this, you know, geofencing search warrant thing. They never did that for any of the BLM or Antifa violence. Never did it. And we had Antifa in multiple places set up these so-called autonomous zones, which, for the record, is an actual insurrection where violence happened. In, in Seattle, they took over the police department, for crying out loud. 
Bacon, along with Republican representatives, Brian Babin, Republican of Texas, uh, Maria Salazar, Florida, Claudia Tenney of New York, wants to create an independent bipartisan commission that will examine the 2020 riots, as well as the most recent rioting that happened in downtown Atlanta. While the majority of participants in demonstrations across the country are peaceful, some events themselves became destructive due to organized pushes for violence by Antifa. This is true. Many cities were burned and businesses destroyed, he said. He even remarked on the viral videos that people were harassed while eating at outside restaurants, uh, proposition with violence, or bending a knee. In other words, bend the knee, bow to us, or we will attack you. According to Fox News, estimates from the riots say that they caused up to $2 billion in property damage. Not 52 bucks like we had with January 6th. It was slightly more than $52, but not by much. Okay. Now, why is this important? Well, first of all, I mean, we we obviously, if we're going to do what we did with January 6th, we need to do it with the real riots, and we need to do it with an organization that even the FBI says uses domestic terrorist activity, an organization that has been declared a street gang by Berkeley, California, of all places, an organization that New Jersey says is a domestic terrorist organization, and that is Antifa. Antifa was caught on camera in some of the BLM riots driving around and handing out bricks to young black men at BLM riots to throw through windows. They got caught doing this by BLM riot attendees. I should say BLM protest attendees, many of whom were, of course, pointing out that these Antifa people, which tend to be upper middle class, middle class white people, were going into black protests and handing out what would be used as weapons in order to cause damage. So Antifa was fomenting property destruction and violence in BLM riots. So this is all on camera. Now, in addition to that, okay, this is a new story yesterday from the post-millennial. Antifa claims responsibility for attack on far-left Portland Bar in retaliation for them spreading COVID by staying open. Now, this is in Portland, which is, you know, the, you could say that Portland is like the capital of Antifa activity, but they also attacked a left-wing bar. Not a right-wing bar, not a politically neutral bar, but a a well-stated left-wing bar. They attacked them because the bar opened, and because they opened, they were spreading COVID. Members of Rose City Antifa, which is one of the most uh, prolific and violent Antifa organizations in this country, have taken credit for vandalism that occurred at a worker-owned Portland bar in the early hours of January 29th. Now, again, um, worker-owned is a, it's like a a communist-type business model, and I know that that's an oxymoron, and it is. So it's almost like everybody kind of owns a piece of it, and everybody has a share. It's like a co-op for the business. So Rose City... um, Posted to the Rose City Counter Info on January 31st, the group stated that the vandalism carried out by disabled uh, was carried out by disabled anarchists targeted the workers tap because of how this bar inherently operates with unmitigated covid spread. Now, the only person who really does serious journalism about Antifa in the western part of the country 
is Andy No. Uh, when you get away from the West, you start to get more and more journalists who would do it. But Andy No is the only guy who will actually do this. And Andy No has been physically assaulted by Antifa several times. There was another Asian journalist in San Francisco who didn't even praise or attack Antifa. He was just doing a normal news report, but he's a local reporter there. He had done two reports about Antifa protests, and he was physically assaulted at the second one because he was mentioning that some of the protests at an earlier protest that involved Um, I don't know if it was specifically the Proud Boys or not, but that there was no violence. So he showed up at one of the protests and a right-wing group. It it was probably the Proud Boys. Just don't hold me to that. He showed up there and he pointed out that there was no violence. Nothing was happening. He then goes and does a report at an Antifa protest. And because he didn't attack the Proud Boys, Antifa attacked him and beat him up. So Andy knows Asian. This other guy was Asian. Antifa in the Portland and Washington area, they tend to have a problem with Asian journalists. Um, But they've now taken credit for this. So they're going out They're you know, if you don't do what they want you to do, and basically Antifa controls the city of Portland at this point in time, if you don't do what they want you to do, they physically attack you or they destroy your business and they attack your business, even if ideologically you are aligned with one another. Uh, Because Antifa is a communist group who uses fascist tactics and this Rose city, um, not Rose, Rose city Antifa is the one who did it, but the, uh, the bar is a communist like co-op type situation. So they're attacking their own, which, you know, kind of fun to watch. I don't want anybody to get seriously hurt, but at the same time, if Antifa is going to keep conducting themselves this way, they will alienate people who are, you know, ideologically aligned with them. And that is ultimately a good thing because you don't want anybody to give them any support. So, yeah, these uh, Republicans need to start this January 6th-style commission to investigate Antifa rioting. They didn't mention BLM. So, definitely need to do that. And, like I said, we will go out of our way to do the, the geofence search warrants and arrest warrants and that sort of stuff. We'll go into bank records and flight records and everything else for January 6th. We won't do it for any of the actual riots that happen. Got more coming up. Phase Electric Studios. From the first step to the final phase. Industrial and commercial electrical done right. Casey Hendrickson. Good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. Somebody asked me if we were still going to do open lines tomorrow. Yeah. Less work for me. Of course. Absolutely. Every Friday we do open lines. Unless there's some kind of a weird thing. Uh, we will have Congressman Rudy Yakum. He'll be in studio tomorrow. Uh, but I think it's about 3.30 or so. We'll have him in here. But, um, yeah, we will do open lines just like normal. You know, we're always going to do open lines on Fridays unless there is, you know, maybe we need to move it a little bit. Sometimes we have a guest or something at 4 o'clock. You know, we'll move it to 4.30 or whatever. But, yes, we will absolutely um, have open lines tomorrow, which means I turn the show over to all of you. John, if you can cue my audio up, I would appreciate that. So I'm going to start off here. The first part of this is from 2019, okay? So we're going back four years now. This is a a series of montages. So first part is from 2019, and then I'll pause it and let you know when we start at 2020. I just want to deal in fact because there is so much speculation out there, and there is zero evidence 
that Hunter Biden or Joe Biden did anything wrong here. We should note, again, you, you and I have said this on the air many times, there is no evidence that Joe Biden was you know, involved in any wrongdoing. Of course, I want to note that there is no evidence that Joe Biden or Hunter Biden has done anything wrong. I just want to reiterate. And let's be clear for the viewers. There is no evidence Biden did anything wrong. I'll note again because it's important. There is no, I repeat, no. There is no evidence that either Biden did anything illegal. There's been no evidence. There was no evidence. There's no evidence. There is no evidence. There is not an iota of evidence. No, no evidence, evidence Biden, Biden did, did anything, anything wrong. wrong. There's really no evidence that Joe Biden did anything wrong. Nobody's ever accused uh, it, 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 that, it, it, I mean, there's no evidence whatsoever that Joe Biden did anything wrong. Got that? Joe Biden did nothing wrong. Hunter Biden did nothing wrong. Okay. That was just a little montage. I know that we played a ton of montages and I played a different one at the beginning of the show today. That's just 2019. Now that is as the report is coming out about Hunter Biden. Okay. <laughs> so that's as we're starting to learn about Hunter Biden. And the laptop situation, like, that's the media's kind of response to it. So then it goes forward now. The the next chunk of this montage is from the year 2020, the following year. Just, again, I want you to listen to this. Very, very important that you get context here for what's Biden's been happening. secret emails. A really fishy story. The Post claimed that the emails were found on a laptop computer that was brought to a repair shop in Delaware in the spring of 2019. The FBI is now investigating whether those alleged Hunter Biden emails are actually connected to a larger foreign intelligence operation. They may be related to a foreign intelligence operation. Foreign intelligence operation. Foreign intelligence. Foreign intelligence. Foreign intelligence operation. For all we know, these emails are made up. The information found on the laptop may be part of a Russian disinformation campaign. Part of a Russian uh, disinformation uh, effort. Described by many intelligence experts as having hallmarks. All the hallmark, hallmarks, rather. All the hallmarks of a Russian. Or Russian. Russian disinformation. Russian disinformation. Disinformation campaign. This is a classic example of the right-wing media machine. Don't drag the intelligence community into this. Hunter Biden's laptop is not part of some Russian disinformation campaign. The now, that last guy is the uh, director of national intelligence, John Radcliffe, uh, going on Fox Business. They just they ended the segment with him going, we don't have any evidence that Russia was involved in any of this. Okay? So I just want you all to just want you to understand that this is what the news media has been doing. Now, keep in mind, while there are a couple of overlapping clips, that's an entirely different montage of the media's reaction to the initial rumors that we had some information about Hunter Biden. And then in 2020, when the New York Post article came out about the Biden laptop, they all went out there and said, ah, Russian disinformation and everything else. Then they got those uh, 51 former intelligence operatives going out there and going, we think this is uh, Russian disinformation. Of course, none of them had access to any of the information. I think I was the only person at that time who pointed that out. So, it's kind of interesting that Hunter Biden's lawyers today confirmed that the laptop was his. Now, we already have the laptop confirmed as being authentic. We already have that. That has been the case for two years now, at least. Okay, A little bit over two years. And even just a couple of months ago, the New York Times finally came out and said, okay, it is Hunter Biden's personal laptop. Yes, the stuff on Hunter Biden's laptop is real. Now, what is so interesting about this uh, the story here is yesterday we get all of this information from the laptop that Hunter Biden sexually assaulted a female employee of his. 
He withheld money from her, got her to the point where she couldn't pay rent. She was going to be homeless unless, of course, he slept with her. Unless, of course, he sent her spicy messages through FaceTime. Unless, of course, she allowed him to watch her shower and do things in the shower while he witnessed it. Then he would send her money, and he did. And all of those text messages were backed up to where the laptop, the laptop that the FBI knew was authentic when the FBI was going out there and telling everybody it was Russian disinformation. That was a lie. It was a psyop is what it was. And the news media the entire time is telling you, in spite of all of the evidence that we had two years ago, that the Hunter Biden laptop is not authentic. So this morning, when we find out that the attorneys for Hunter Biden sent letters to the attorney general of Delaware and to the Department of Justice, and to the New York Post, saying that all of the people responsible for disseminating information from the Hunter Biden laptop had broken a whole host of laws, including stealing Hunter Biden's personal property, breaking into Hunter Biden's personal property, hacking it, if you will, and making public, private, personal information from Hunter Biden's personal laptop so naturally everybody was like oh well it took you guys a a couple of years but at least you authenticated it and owned up to the laptop belonging to hunter biden so all day today you've seen everybody going out there and, and pointing out that well even hunter biden himself and his legal team are now admitting that the laptop is his so for the last few vestiges of you conspiracy blue and on unserious people out there like it's not real hunter biden didn't do anything wrong i don't know why i talk like sylvester stallone there but that's just what happened so i just assume half of your face is paralyzed if you're a blue and on conspiracy theorist so if you're you're still out there trying to pretend that this isn't his laptop in spite of literally everything you now have his legal team admitting that it's his laptop now, what's funny about this is as the entire thing has been happening all day, and everybody's like, oh, thanks for finally admitting. We already knew it was his, but thank you for finally admitting it was his. Then the legal team kind of realized about 2.30 in the afternoon, they kind of realized, uh-oh, we screwed up. <laughs> so now at about 2.30 this afternoon today, you started to get all of these news stories about how Hunter Biden's legal team is out there clarifying their original letter that they sent to the Department of Justice, the Attorney General of Delaware, and the New York Post. And now they're saying, no, 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 no. We're not saying, we are not saying that the laptop is Hunter Biden's. We're just saying that people are using information from a laptop to attack Hunter Biden. Friendly reminder, just like with Ashley Biden's diary, when the federal government started going after journalists at Project Veritas to arrest them and charge them with crimes for having in their possession Ashley Biden's diary, a diary that contains very unsavory information about Joe Biden, Hunter Biden, and the family that the news media had spent years telling you wasn't true was made up, was not authenticated, and all of that stuff, the moment the feds show up and say, 
you stole Ashley Biden's diary. You've authenticated the diary as Ashley Biden's. Therefore, the stuff inside the diary is what Ashley Biden wrote. So you have to start taking seriously the things that Ashley Biden jotted down in her diary. Now, maybe in her diary, she's lying to herself. I suppose that's a possibility. But generally speaking, when somebody writes down in their diary, they're writing down to their best of their recollection. What happened? Doesn't mean they're always right. Sometimes you misremember things. But you have to take it seriously. So when the feds confirmed the authenticity of Ashley Biden's diary, you still had leftists out there going, no, no, no. They're saying that it's not Ashley Biden's diary. Well, then you can't go after journalists for possessing something or stealing something because you can't you can't claim that they stole something that never belonged to the person to begin with. You can't claim that they were disseminating private information if the information is fabricated and not real. Right. So if there is an actual legal framework for Ashley Biden's diary, as there was uh, when the feds showed up at Project Veritas um, uh, chairman, Honcho. James O'Keefe and other Project Veritas journalist homes to, you know, arrest them. Then you start to understand that it is Ashley Biden's diary. There's no arguing that it isn't. Same thing with Hunter Biden's laptop. The moment you say that you took private information from that laptop that is personal and private and you made it public, and you stole the laptop that belongs to Hunter Biden, the moment you make that case, as they did with their letter to the Department of Justice and to the Attorney General of Delaware and to the New York Post, as was revealed this morning, I guess technically the letter went there yesterday, but it was revealed this morning. The moment you do that, you are admitting that the laptop was the personal property of Hunter Biden, and the information within that laptop was Hunter Biden's personal information. That is the only way that you get to make a legal argument that Hunter Biden has been wronged legally because you stole his stuff and you made his personal private stuff public. So you authenticated the laptop this morning and then to try and cover up, you go out there later in the afternoon and you go, no, 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 no. We're not saying that the laptop is his. We're just saying that they're using a laptop to attack him. Well, then your first letter in the day is a moot point because if the laptop wasn't his, then you can't accuse anybody of stealing anything. And if the information in the laptop isn't Hunter Biden's real information, then you can't accuse them of making his personal private information public. But that's exactly what the legal team did in the morning. So they made a grave legal error. And don't let anybody try and tell you that, no, 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 the lawyers came out and said it's not Hunter Biden's laptop. If it's not Hunter Biden's laptop, then the entire legal premise of the letters that they sent earlier in the day didn't mean anything. And then you have to ask yourself why Hunter Biden's legal team was sending frivolous letters to the Department of Justice and the Attorney General of Delaware asking for investigations into criminal matters that wouldn't apply because it couldn't be criminal if the laptop didn't belong to Hunter Biden. Got more coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. Casey Hendrickson. Weather and traffic during Michiana's morning news on 95.3 MNC, your breaking news and weather station.
Is that an actual quote today? I haven't heard it. Somebody's posting in the Discord server that an actual quote from Joe Biden today is more than half the women in my administration are women. Is that, <laughs> is that real? Oh, man. Too good to check. I will verify it tonight. I'll give you an update on a, well, it's a, it's a new situation, but it's a domestic situation. And it's a legal situation. It involves uh, Real News Michiana. And the St. Joseph, St. Joseph County has settled a pending lawsuit from Real News Michiana regarding a malicious act from one of its officials in an attempt to silence Real News Michiana from investigating corruption into her. Uh, we've talked about this in the past. So the former St. Joseph County voter registration employee, Aisha Avance, um, there's several articles about her potentially um, abusing the court system and that sort of thing. And those were reports and things like that coming from realnewsmichiana.com. And as a result, what ended up happening is uh, there was, I think, uh, what a, a restraining order and, and stuff like that that were attempted to be put. And Clifton French from realnewsmichiana.com won like every one of those things. So I'll just read from the article. He's got the details. I'm just trying to draw from memory. Uh, the case involved a former St. Joseph County voter registration employee, Aisha Avance, who abused the course to prevent journalist Clifton French from conducting an investigation into alleged grant fraud. At the time, Real News Michiana had been investigating the city of South Bend's alive grant program. Real News Michiana's investigations led to the discovery of actual fraud within the program, uncovered a scheme between a local funeral home and a con man who was taking a share, taking and sharing nude photos of recently deceased people. The allocation of money to a convicted murderer and more money to an armed robber. Allegations of food stamp fraud and accusations of one grantee propositioning a single mother for sexual favors in order to assist her in a time of need. Now, according to the city's website, the Alive Grant Program is part of the city's ongoing efforts to reduce incidents of gun violence in the community and to provide constructive initiatives for South Bend's young people, the city gave 50 organizations grants totaling uh, $350,000, okay? Now, the first year that the Alive Grant was issued was much more fraudulent than the last time that the Alive Grant uh, were issued out this last year. So the I just want to make it crystal clear that this was all happening to in the first year of the grant program. Uh, the second year of the grant program uh, appears to have been conducted much better. I'm not saying that there aren't potentially issues there. I'm just saying that we we know personally uh, at this station some of the organizations that got money, and they were deserving. Whereas the first year, it appeared to be a bunch of buddies were scratching each other's back and giving each other tens of thousands of dollars in free cash at your expense. Uh, let's see. The Alive Grant program was run through the Department of Community Initiatives and its director, Maurice Scott. One of the subjects of Real News Michiana's investigations involves St. Joseph County voter registration employee Aisha Avance. Avance attempted to silence journalist Clifton French by filing an erroneous protection order after he approached her for comment in August of 2021. Real News Michiana uncovered a scheme in which Avance, who is a friend of Maurice Scott, was fraudulently awarded thousands of dollars in taxpayer grant money. The notice of tort claim uh, reads as follows, that Avance is an employee of St. Joseph County, Indiana, specifically the voter registration office. Miss Advance is a public employee and is employed in an office that is open to the public. On August 10th, 2021, 
During the course of her work in that office, Miss Avance was approached by reporter Clifton French, who asked her about certain events as part of performing his job as an investigative journalist. Mr. French used the public access window to contact Miss Avance. Miss Avance refused to answer Mr. French's questions and told him to leave the office, which he did immediately. At no time did Mr. French threaten or harass Miss Avance. On August 12th of 2021, during her working hours, Aisha Vance drafted and filed a petition for an order of protection. The request for hearing with the St. Joseph County Circuit Court in that petition, Ms. Vance made a number of false claims based upon those false claims. Ms. Vance was granted an ex parte order for protection, which enjoined Clifton French from coming within 300 yards of Aisha Vance or contacting her in any me uh, in by any means. Okay. So this order prevented Clifton French from performing his investigative journalist duties by preventing him from going into the County city building and, or attempting any public government attending any public government hearings or meetings. So in August of 2021, she drafted and filed that petition uh, for contempt in that petition, Ms. Vance asserted that Clifton French should be held in contempt for publishing online articles in the course of his job as, again, an investigative reporter. Now, in October of 2021, a hearing was held on Clifton French's objections to the issuance of that protective order, and testimony was presented at that hearing. The magistrate judge dismissed the order of protection against Clifton French, finding that the incidents did not meet the requirements for the issuance uh, of a protective order. Um, if I understand it correctly, Aisha Vance used a judge who is uh, buddy to kind of get that through initially. So nonetheless, uh, what ended up happening is Clifton French had, you know, obviously filed um, filed against the, uh, the the county for this, and, and they've now settled. So he's won his case. So you got another corrupt individual in the South Bend government. St. Joseph County government, I should say. And Clifton French has now won that case. Um, so undisclosed uh, amounts of money. The full documents are available for subscribers at realnewsmichiana.com. If you want to get those documents, you can go to the website and get subscribe and log in. You'll be able to see them. And he walks through the uh, the entire thing there. So just giving you an update on that. Got more coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel, MNC News Time. Is 5.31. Time to check out Impress Jewelry Creations, creating meaningful jewelry for the moments that last a lifetime. This is from the first step to the final phase. Industrial and commercial electrical done right. Casey Hendrickson. Good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. Uh, tomorrow, we will have Congressman Rudy Yakamon. We will have open lines. And I'm going to go into this weirdness that's happening inside of Ukraine with that guy who's tied to Hunter Biden, like, getting arrested by Zelensky. It's a whole weird thing that's happening We'll get into that a little bit tomorrow. I want some time to go over some of the documents uh, that I was able to, to get today. How about that dodo bird? You've heard about the dodo bird, the dodo bird that doesn't exist anymore. Well, I remember years ago doing a story about how they were looking at possibly bringing the dodo bird back. 
And they're moving forward, apparently, with this. Uh, genetic engineering company Colossal Biosciences announced that its scientists are planning to bring back the dodo bird. So they're, they're hoping... They, this is a tweet, by the way, that they put out on their Twitter account. And they're hoping to Jurassic Park this thing back into existence. And um, there's been a lot of talk about doing woolly mammoths as well. Now, of course, you know, morally, I guess, you know, what do you what do you guys theoretically feel about stuff like this? Leave a comment on the video if you're watching on online. Otherwise, if you're listening on a radio and you happen to be on social media a little bit later, you know, shoot me a message about it. It'd be interesting to to get your take. The dodo bird and the woolly mammoth um, are two animals that are brought up with regularity because the woolly mammoth they don't believe would do any damage by bringing it back. And then the dodo bird is only recently extinct, so there wouldn't be like an ecological, they say, there wouldn't be an ecological impact if the dodo bird were to come back. I don't know. Um, I guess it would depend on how a dodo bird that was created in a lab can survive out in the wild. Um, so, yeah. Um, and, you know, again, the last dodo, theoretically, um, they believe was killed in 1681. So in the span of, you know, world history, it's relatively recent. Um, but again, you know, who knows? You create a bunch of dodo birds in a lab and you stick them out in the wild. You know, can they survive? Some animals can't. Pigs are great at that. You know, if you if you breed a pig in captivity and the pig goes wild, it will go feral extremely quick and adapt to the environment. Other animals don't do so good in the wild. But I also didn't think that cows would do so good in the wild either until I did a story for uh, Coffee with Casey a couple of months ago uh, about a bunch of cows who were on their way to the slaughterhouse and the truck tipped over and the cows got out. And they thought they rounded up all the cows, but it turns out there's a bunch of cows that are still living in the area in Canada and nobody knew. And they these cows are eluding everybody. <laughs> like, nobody can find these cows. They just occasionally kind of show up, and then anytime the authorities go out there to capture them, the cows disappear into the wild. So they're they're doing okay. Um, I guess it just depends on what natural predators are in the area and, and all of that stuff. So the mysterious bird of increasing... What? The mysterious bird of increasingly mysterious origins. This sounds like something that I would say is a joke. The dodo bird ruled the roost on its native island. Uh, more, is it Moriat? Mauritius? I don't know how to say that. I've heard it said like two different ways. I don't know. It, is it relevant? It's, it, it's me. I'm terrible at names. So... They said, until it met its untimely demise, this is in their website where they wrote this, in the late 17th century, man brought an abrupt end to the dodo species. Today, Colossal, that's again, the Colossal, um, the company, Colossal Biosciences, is committed to bringing it back. Portuguese sailors discovered the dodo on the island off the east coast of Africa more than 500 years ago. According to Britannica, the birds were killed for food. Pigs and other animals brought to the island also ate dodo eggs, leading to the extinction. So this is, the, this is what they're saying. They're going to bring the dodo bird back. They also addressed the woolly mammoth situation that came out in 2021. The dodo bird mission 
is far from colossal scientists first when they when it comes to bringing back extinct species in 2021 the company announced that it would attempt to combine woolly mammoth and elephant dna to recreate a next generation mammoth capable of surviving in the arctic and helping restore that ecosystem is the arctic's ecosystem all jacked up it seems like the animals that are there are doing okay Right? <laughs> it seems like they're doing all right. We don't have like a shortage of Arctic species or anything like that. They seem to be doing all right. I don't know how introducing a hybrid woolly mammoth uh, to the area would, would help with that, but okay. So there you go. They're going to bring back the dodo bird again, which is not the first time again that we've heard about it. They don't have a timetable listed here. It's just they're making the announcement. And it could it could you know be another several years before they even start the uh, thing, and they're just trying to stay in the news. But what could possibly go wrong, right? You just bring back a bird that's been gone for you know 500 years or whatever, and and just uh, yeah, see what happens to the ecosystem. Don't know. We'll find out. All right, ladies and gentlemen, make sure you go online rumble.com/slash Casey the host. You can also listen at 953mnc.com or Odyssey. Get the daily show prep at btmedia.news. Also, join my social network, which is just there for listeners, and it includes groups. A lot of groups uh, get together, and you know, if you're a fan of golf, there's a golfing group on there. You got a motorcycle, there's a motorcycle group on there, that sort of thing. But it's all local and uh, dedicated to uh, like-minded people who listen to the show. Totally free, by the way. We got more coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. Casey Hendrickson, your breaking news and weather station. Uh, one of my listeners uh, says they got a bunch of friends in Alaska. People are being attacked by bears and being eaten by polar bears. It is apparently crazy this year. I did hear about more than the average bear attack up in the Alaskan territories uh, this year. Although it's it's been kind of it feels like bear attacks up in Alaska have been kind of up the past couple of years. It could just be, you know, just me noticing the news reports and that sort of thing. Not like I follow Alaskan wildlife attacks all that much. It's Alaska. I assume that you're going to get attacked by wildlife. It's kind of like going to South Africa or Australia. I just kind of assume that you're going to get eaten at some point by a great white shark. It's just going to happen. Um, and it does happen again off of the coast of of uh, California and, and Mexico as we had that tragic accident, not accident, attack uh, here this uh, this past week. All right, uh, what else do we have? Oh, this is this is horrible too. This is a story I posted this um, earlier today. We still don't have a ton of of details on this, but a Republican New Jersey councilwoman was gunned down and murdered in her car right by her house and she was found dead inside of her vehicle. She was shot multiple times Wednesday night, a 30 year old uh, Eunice Dwumfor. And I hope I, I got that correct. She's the victim, but uh, they, again, they, they're still looking for a suspect and motivation. They don't have any news. The last time that I saw this, but she appeared to have been driving when she was shot, crashing her white SUV after being, after being murdered. Uh, see, this is an active and ongoing investigation. Anyone with information or surveillance footage of the area is asked to contact the detectives, and they gave the contact information. I know that you're not in New Jersey, so um, you know if it'll be in the Daily Show prep. If if you happen to be listening in New Jersey, I'm sure that you are much more up on this story than we are. 
Uh, some witnesses reportedly said that they spotted the gunman running away from the complex where she was killed. She was elected to the borough of Sayreville City Council in an upset victory over her Democratic opponent in 2021. Uh, she was also a business analyst, part-time EMT, and heavily involved in a Nigerian church group, according to the New York Post. So uh, nothing but positive things have been you know, pouring in about her. Uh, so we don't know what happened or what the circumstances are. You know, our heart goes out to her family. Sorry, pop up ad again on the uh, the time, but you know, our, our hearts go out to her family. Just tragic story, but uh, keep an eye on this as they try and figure out what's going on. Again, um, if you're just tuning in, New Jersey Republican Councilwoman has been gunned down, murdered in her vehicle last night. No motive, no official suspect. Last I checked, so I expect that there's going to be something coming up. You know, there's got to be cameras in the area that I would assume would have picked something up. And we know that there's some witnesses who saw somebody leaving the scene, running away from the scene. So hopefully they capture them and we can get to the bottom of this for uh, for her loved ones. All right, ladies and gentlemen, don't forget btmedia.news and 95.3mnc.com. Bill O'Reilly is up next. We'll see you tomorrow. Bill O'Reilly.